Well, I, I made a mistake earlier this week because I knew we were going to be out of town uh, for the funeral, and um, I knew that uh, Jeff kind of likes to have the psalm that we're going to be looking at a little early so he can kind of be praying and thinking about the songs that we're going to sing. So I chose one of my favorite psalms. I've always found the most interesting psalm uh, early in the week, Psalm 90. And then when I got home from the funeral and began really uh, reviewing it, I'd already done a lot of the spade work and, and I've taught from this psalm uh, before, so I was kind of familiar with it, but when I began to really review it and put it together, I realized it's, it's a tough psalm when you've just lost a loved one because it really speaks to that issue. And so uh, very meaningful for me, and I think it'll be meaningful uh, to you as well. You know, I've had a lot of time to think over this last week, a lot of windshield time, which is always great thinking time as we drive, but also just, you know, thinking about uh, Grandma, my mother-in-law, and uh, at the funeral they showed a couple of slideshows, you know, of just times through the years, and it was really uh, meaningful to think back through all the times that uh, our kids spent with her. You know, most of you know we have six kids, and so going back to even before uh, Granddad had passed away, he died 13 years ago, um, or 12 years ago, I guess it was. And um, but you know, it was basically really both encouraging but yet sad at the same time to see all those wonderful times together as a family. It was wonderful and, and encouraging because we had so many special times together, visiting her maybe when she would come to us or we'd go some places together as a family for vacation. But it also was sad because we know we won't have those anymore, you know, at least on this earth, right? At least on this earth. Um, but in, in today's psalm that we're looking at in this journey through selected psalms, uh, Moses basically uh, reminds us to number our days. And I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase in English, your days are numbered. You know, like a lot of English phrases, it has its origins in the Word of God. A lot of the phrases that we use, that's, that's the case. But uh, you know, someone might say, your days are numbered. Well, they mean there's a limit to how much life you will live. No matter how much you're enjoying life, no matter how full of life you may be, every life comes to an end if the Lord tarries is coming. And the Bible calls this numbering our days, and that comes from Moses' words in Psalm 90. I'll give you a little bit more background in just a moment, but you know, I was thinking time is a funny thing. As you get older, your perspective on time changes. For children, uh, each new day is a whole new world. It's filled with adventures, wonder, excitement, and, and each day for a, a child lasts a long, long time, right? I mean, six months to a child it, it takes forever, right? But to us seasoned adults, you know, sometimes a, a day is just another item on our to-do list, and, you know, six months goes by like that, right? What's in a life? What's in a life? There was a, uh, some research done, and I found this in CNN a few, two, two or three years ago, on uh, how an average American spends uh, his life or her life. And this study looked at the, the life of an average person in terms of pure numbers. And they surveyed 9,000 people 
and totaled up the amount of time that we spend doing various things and then converted that time to days. And what they found out was pretty interesting. So first of all, we're going to use roughly 78 and a half years as the average human lifespan. Um, as Moses is going to tell us, if you live longer than that, praise God, and some may live shorter than that, but let's just take 78 years roughly uh, as an average human lifespan. That equates to about 28,689 days. And over that lifespan, the average person will spend 11,762 days today in our culture looking at a screen. That's 41% of our life. They'll spend another 8,521 days sitting down. Almost 2,000 days socializing with others. And I thought this was interesting, 198 <laughs> days exercising. In intentional, intentional exercising. I mean, I like to give myself a break. I consider, you know, basically I, I exercise when I walked up here to get in the pulpit. But anyway, um, I'll, t I'll count it all. But intentional exercise. In your lifetime, you can expect to climb Mount Everest 5.1 times, the equivalent of that many steps. In terms of how often you run, you can actually run the circumference of the world 2.2 times. You can laugh, you will laugh on average 554,024 times. Um, unless you're in my church and you tend to laugh considerably less, <laughs> at least that's been my experience at my, at my jokes. Uh, you'll spend a year and a half of your life looking for misplaced items. That's what? Too much? Too low. Too low, yeah. Well, you know, they say it's always, you always find it in the last place you look. So I don't know why we just don't start by looking there, and then we'd get, a lot, get done a lot quicker. Uh, you spend six years waiting in lines, and you receive about a thousand different advertising messages each day from all different forms. Numbering our days. So Psalm 90 is the oldest psalm uh, written, as we said, by Moses during the wilderness wanderings, so sometime between 1446 and 1406 B.C. As uh, far as the biblical record, it's the only psalm that Moses wrote. There's some extra-biblical commentaries, ancient commentaries, that suggest he might have written Psalm 91 as well, but Psalm 91, as far as the biblical record is concerned, is anonymous. And I mentioned last week when we introduced this series on Psalms that uh, the Psalms are organized into five books, five sections, and Psalm 90 here is the first Psalm in the fourth book, book four of the Psalms. We talked about the different kinds of Psalms last week. This is what we might consider to be a personal lament Psalm, and a lament Psalm is when the the author, in this case Moses, is really seeking personal comfort in a time of distress. But in this psalm, Moses gives us a perspective on the temporal, fleeting nature of life. And this is a perspective that comes from a wise old man. The, the superscription, if you look in your English Bible at the beginning of the psalm, it says, A prayer of Moses, the man of God. And indeed, he was a man of God. The word day, or its equivalent, the pronoun, is used nine times in this short psalm, and it's about numbering our days. If I had to summarize the theme of Psalm 90, I would borrow the words of that great country singer, Billy Dean. 
And I would say, it's, we're only here for a little while. We're only here for a little while. And Moses asks God to give his people, and by extension us, as part of the inspired word of God, heavenly wisdom in view of the brevity of life. You know, we don't like to reflect on mortality. But the age in which this psalm was written and sung, in that day the, they were much readier than we are to really think about mortality. We, we like to clean it up a bit. But we don't, it makes us uncomfortable to think about mortality. That's the thing about funerals, you know. Of all the funerals I've conducted and all the funerals I've attended, like this weekend, every single time the same thing happens. It causes me to, to really think about mortality. I mean, you go through life, you're busy, you've you got kids and grandkids, and you're just doing life. But how often do we actually stop to think, you know, I'm not going to live forever. And so this psalm kind of forces us uh, to do that. The key verse from which I took the title is right in the middle, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. I'm going to come back and explain what that means. But let me tell you how I'm going to break up this psalm and then we'll dive in. Basically, three, three parts to the message this morning. First of all, I'm going to talk about why Moses says we should number our days. Secondly, how we should do that. What does that look like? What does it look like to number your days? And then, at the end, we're going to see some blessings that come from numbering our days. So let's start out with why. Why should we number our days? Well, you go back to verse 12 again. So teach us to number our days. That, that. That's the reason. Here's the reason why. In order that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Now that's poetic. Obviously this is poetic literature, wisdom and poetic literature. But words have meanings. And the word wisdom in Hebrew is a very significant word. It's the word hachma. And it literally means skill at living life. It's used 149 times in the Old Testament. And it originally denoted the possession of some kind of specific skill. So tailoring, farming, metallurgy, building, whatever it was. If you, if you had at that particular skill, that was considered wisdom. But over time, the word hachma in Hebrew came to be associated with skill at living life in general. So a person with a heart of wisdom is a person who is skilled at living life. In other words, if we number our days, and we're going to talk about what that looks like, we will be better at living life. We will become more skillful at abiding the ebbs and flows of life. We will have the right perspective. So the purpose of numbering our days is to help us live life skillfully. Now there's not a person in this place today or, or watching by live stream that, that can't use more help at that. We all have room to improve. We all need to be able to take what life in this fallen world throws at us and respond with the right perspective and the right attitude. But how do we do that? I mean, what does numbering our days look like? Well, I think in the text we see three things 
that constitute numbering our days. Three things that numbering our days looks like. If we go back to the beginning of the psalm in the first three verses, numbering your days means realizing our days are limited. In fact, numbering our days means realizing three things. We're going to mention all three of them here. But first off, it's realizing that our days are limited. In the first three verses, Moses contrasts God's eternality. Remember, God is outside of time, space, and matter. He spoke the world into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. In the beginning, that's time. God created the heavens, that's space, and the earth. That's matter. And He exists outside of that. And he con got Moses contrasts God's eternality with our temporality. Unlike God who's always existed, which we're going to see in verses 1 and 2, even before time began, man's life on earth is temporary. And one day we will all leave this earth if the Lord doesn't come back in our lifetime. Our bodies will return to dust. Moses alludes to that in verse 3. So, he says, so teach us to number our days, going back to the key verse in verse 12. And that's a transitional word in this, in this hymn. And it points back to all that Moses just said in the first 11 verses. In other words, he gives us all of this information, the first 11 verses, and then he says, so, in light of everything that I've just said, teach us to number our days. Teach us to adopt the perspective that I've just written about. The, the Hebrew word so is similar to the Greek word therefore. When you see it, you should always pay close attention to the immediately preceding context. So let's, let's take a look at those first 11 verses. It starts out, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you're God, the eternality of God. But verse 3 says, you turn man, by contrast, to destruction. Return, O children of men. So Moses understood death. Moses understood death. I want you to think with me for just a moment. According to Exodus 12, there were 600,000 men in the Exodus. When they left Egypt... Got away from Pharaoh, 600,000 men. Now, that probably means there was more like 1.2 million adults, if you count the women. Law of large numbers, it's going to be roughly 50-50. So that means 1.2 million adults left Egypt and were part of that original wilderness generation. And that's not counting children. So at least 1.2 million, probably far greater. Now if you do the math, over the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness, among that original generation, all but two died, which means that on average about 87 people were dying each day. Now that shouldn't surprise us. You look at any large city with tens of thousands of people or a million people or hundreds of you know large cities. There are people dying every day. But this wasn't a city with hospitals and morgues and, you know, formal cemeteries. This was a generation of people 
wandering in the wilderness. That's about three or four people every hour. Moses lived in an environment of death. He understood the perspective that man's days are limited. He understood that our bodies are frail. He understood that when you get right down to it, as somebody said, this old planet we call Earth is just one giant round cemetery, basically. And uh, Bruce Walke, an outstanding uh, Hebrew scholar, said that to ignore the reality that our days on earth are limited is to live in a fool's paradise. We need to remember that. We need to realize that our days are limited. That's, that's how you number your days. In Psalm 89, uh, this is a psalm of Ethan, the Ezraite. Remember we talked about last week he only wrote one psalm. And this is it. And he says something similar. Remember how short my time is. For what futility have you created all the children of men? What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? King David put it this way. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may, that I may learn how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths and my age is nothing. It says nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but a vapor. James talks about that same analogy with time and the day. But life's ultimate statistic is the same for everyone. One out of one dies. Again, if the Lord doesn't call us to meet him in the air. As I said, in our culture, we, we like to camouflage the process of death. You know? We, we try to make it dignified. You know, we, we call it, you know, euthanasia or abortion. Think about that term abortion. Abortion? No, it's taking an innocent life of a preborn human being. It's called murder, like we talked about a couple weeks ago on Wednesday nights. But disguising the ugliness of death no more eliminates it than putting flowers on a headstone eliminates the grave beneath it. Even Christians, I think, sometimes are guilty of overemphasizing the immortality of the soul and underemphasizing the frailty of this life. That's why Paul said, redeem the time. So I guess the question is, since our days are limited, what are we doing with this life? What are we doing with our limited days? But the second way that we number our days is to realize that every day is precious. Every day is precious. In verses 4 to 6, Moses goes on to point out that since our days are limited, that makes them very precious. It's the basic law of supply and demand, right? And so Moses uses five analogies to describe the value of a day relative to eternity. And this is really fascinating to me. Uh, in the first place, moment says, Moses says, 1,000 years is like a day relative to eternity. In verse, beginning of verse 4. 
and by the way, that's, that's all he's saying here, is he's comparing life on earth to eternity, the temporal realm to eternity. It's an analogy. It's the same meaning that we see in 2 Peter 3. It's a contrast between the temporal realm and the eternal realm. It has nothing to do with the creation account where God establishes the standard of time. And a lot of people take these verses wildly out of context and somehow create a formula that says, well, a day equals a thousand years. No, it doesn't. A day is like a thousand years relative to eternity. And if you'd read the whole context, people would, would know that. So let's, let's take a closer look at this first analogy. And then we're going to follow the same pattern for the next four analogies as Moses is contrasting the fleeting, frail nature of life on earth relative to eternity. And so uh, he says a thousand years is like basically 24 hours a day, right, relative to eternity. Well, nobody lives to be a thousand years old, at least not anymore, because of the depravity of man. Uh, that will return once again and once the Christ is reigning on the throne and sin is largely kept in check and Satan is in prison. We'll have a longevity of life according to Isaiah the prophet. But today, nobody lives to a thousand years. So just to make the math easier for me, um, you know, let's just say, let's use a hundred years. Let's assume everybody lives to be a hundred. Okay? So that means that our life on earth is basically like 2.4 hours relative to eternity. At best, Moses says, our life is like 2.4 hours relative to eternity. So relative to eternity, by the time our service is over, half your life would be gone relative to eternity. But then he goes on and uses a second analogy in the latter part of verse 4. He says, a thousand years is like a watch in the night relative to eternity. Now, a watch was four hours long. So Moses is saying a thousand years is basically like four hours relative to eternity. But again, we don't live to be a thousand, so let's translate that into our life. In other words, if we live to be a hundred years old, relative to eternity, our life, Moses says, is like 24 minutes. I mean, that's, that's fast, right? So at best, our lifetime is like 24 minutes relative to eternity. But Moses doesn't stop there. He uses another analogy. If you go on to verse 5, he says 1,000 years is like a wave relative to eternity. Our, our years are carried away one after the other like waves of the ocean carry the water away. One generation after another swept away like the waves of the sea. How long does it take between waves? Well, I, I didn't take the time to do the science, but I've been to the ocean, and uh, I've also been to these uh, theme water parks, water theme parks where you have these huge wave pools, and you're out there swimming, and then every so often the big uh, horn sounds, and you know the wave's going to come, and they turn on that machine, and these massive waves come. And, uh, and, and my recollection was it was about 90 seconds. Again, this is just an analogy, so we're not trying to pinpoint the exact time. But basically, Moses is saying a thousand years is like the time it takes for a wave to come in and then come back out again. Now, let's say 90 seconds. Well, again, we don't live to be a thousand years, so relative to our lifetime, our lifetime is like nine seconds relative to eternity. At best, our lifetime is like nine seconds relative to eternity. 
Think about that the next time you become consumed and anxious and worried and fearful about all the things in this world. Can you hang on for nine seconds? Because when eternity comes, it's not going to matter. Right? But Moses doesn't stop there. He gives a fourth analogy, and he says, a thousand years is like sleep at the end of verse 5, relative to eternity. Now, this is interesting because sleep, from our perspective, is really timeless, right? You go to sleep, and then you wake up, and it's as if all of this happens in the blink of an eye. Of course, we know that you know six or eight hours have passed because we can look at the clock, but it all it's as if it all happens while we're standing still or lying still. So he's saying a thousand years is like the blink of an eye, which, of course, means that our life, if we use 100 years, is like one-tenth of a blink of an eye. In other words, at best, our lifetime relative to eternity is like a fraction of a second. It's perspective. And we need to realize that each day is precious because relative to eternity, they're so small. But he, he, he's not quite done. He has one final analogy and he says that a thousand years is like a flower in verses five and six relative to eternity flowers grow up and wither typically while no one is watching i mean seldom do you get the opportunity to watch as a flower opens up in the spring you just see it and you walk by it and you think anytime now that flower is going to open up and then day or two later you walk by, oh, that flower opened up. What a pretty flower. And it all sort of happens automatically while nobody's looking. And conversely, it's gone before you know it. <laughs> Life is like that, Moses says. It all happens while no one is looking. And it's gone before you know it. And that's his whole point. At best, our lifetime relative to eternity, is gone before we know it. And we need to recognize that each day is precious. So we realize our days are numbered, and, or, or limited rather, and we realize our days are precious, but then we also, in order to number our days, need to realize that each day belongs to God. This is what Moses says in the verses 7 to 11. If all we had was the perspective that our days are limited and that each day is precious, we might adopt the pagan philosophy of the Epicureans who said, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But that's not skillful living. That's not a wise perspective that Moses is pointing out. There's a spiritual aspect to man's life as well that cannot be ignored. God plays a role in our daily lives. Every day belongs to God. We do not own our lives. We do not own our belongings. We do not own our children or our grandchildren or our parents. They, they belong to God. Moses, in verses 7 and 8, points out that man's sinfulness has aroused God's wrath. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Sin separates us from God. In fact, it's our sinfulness that brought death into the world to begin with. God said, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely what? 
die. Paul said in Romans 5.12, Wherefore by one man sin into the world, and death by sin, and thus death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And it's because of our sinfulness that we're separated from God. He says, All our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. It's interesting that Moses chose 70 years as the normal lifespan since he lived to be 120 years old. But his long life testified to the fact that righteousness generally leads to longer lives. Though not always, we live in a fallen world and sometimes bad things happen to good people. Innocent people die young. But it doesn't change the principle that godliness, righteousness, walking in the way of wisdom prolongs life. Proverbs says that many, many times. So he says, who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. After acknowledging God's role in our lives as the sovereign ruler who alone is able to judge and forgive sin, Moses declares that God is deserving of great fear and reverence. In fact, if you look at this part that's highlighted, the reverence due God is as great as the wrath produced by our sin. <laughs> and that's a lot of reverence. Again, it's about perspective. We do not live live, our lives independent of God. We live them by His grace and His mercy. He is directly and immediately involved in our day-to-day -day lives. You know, most people live like the Israelites in the wilderness, just killing time, as that great theologian Clint Black would say, just killing time. The Israelites were guilty of unbelief. That's the reason they didn't get to go and experience the promised land. They're in heaven if they believed the Lord's provision, but they didn't get the blessing of the promised land because of a lack of faith. And Moses says that we're going to go through each day acknowledging God's presence and sovereignty, trusting Him each day of the way. Numbering our days means having the right perspective and attitude toward God. It means realizing that our days are limited. Therefore, every one of them is precious, and every one of them belongs to God. Well, so what's the reward? The psalm kind of concludes with three blessings those who have a heart of wisdom can expect some blessings, some rewards. Uh, if you go through life with a healthy perspective, understanding who you are, who God is, and how life works from a biblical perspective, then you're going to receive at least these three blessings. First of all, God's loyal love. Now, we talked about this last week when we looked at the famous 23rd Psalm. Uh, it's the word chesed, it's the faithfulness, the loyal trustworthiness of God's love. And if you number your days the way we just described, by realizing they're limited, realizing they're precious, and realizing they all belong to God, then you're going to experience God's love in your relationship with Him in a fresh, real, new, intimate way every day. God's loyal love. But secondly, you'll also experience the gladness of life, verse 15. The gladness of life. 
because you understand that our life is just a speck on the timeline of eternity. And I don't have to be weighted down and depressed by the discouragement of all that this temporal world throws at me. Because it's all going to be gone. And I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior. And I'm going to be with my loved ones and, and that have gone before me that know the Lord. And I'm going to be with Jesus. And I'm going to be with Peter and Paul and David and Moses. See, the Bible teaches that the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin, in that moment you pass from death to life and you receive the free gift of eternal life. So we often think about eternal life as something we get when we die. No, you get eternal life when you believe the gospel. And it begins at that moment. You just so happen to live the first many years of, of, of your eternal life on this earth. But it will continue on in that instant when you breathe your last and you're in the presence of God. And it's still eternal life. And so that's why the Bible in the New Testament, Paul frequently talks about our citizenship is in heaven, set our minds on things above. Peter says we're just sojourners passing through. This world is not our home. And that's why we can experience the gladness of life. And also, the last two verses in the psalm, another blessing for those who number their days, is we can have a meaningful, established purpose in life. A meaningful, established purpose in life. Because we have the right perspective. So, teach us to number our days. We should number our days in order to gain a heart of wisdom, meaning live life skillfully and wisely. We do this by realizing our days are limited, realizing every day is precious, and realizing each day belongs to God. And if we keep this perspective, then we'll experience the deep inner peace and joy that comes from trusting steadfastly in a God who loves us. So what's the takeaway? Well, I thought I would just take those three ways that Moses says we can number our days and apply each one of them. So in the first place, we should engage in activities that have heavenly as well as earthly value because our days are limited. Let's make them count. Secondly, take time to enjoy the little things in life. Life is precious. Each day is precious. Take time to enjoy the little things. And then lastly, think about God as a conscious expression of trust in Him throughout each day. Because each day belongs to God. Don't try to live life independent of God. Think about God intentionally each day as a conscious expression of trust in Him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for... Uh, this uh, deep but so meaningful uh, psalm that gives us principles for life at the highest level. And Lord, I pray that we would embrace them and be willing to adopt them and to live our lives in a way that recognizes these principles every day, especially as we look ahead at what is almost certain to be troubling times, and Lord, we do pray that you would come back soon. We say from the bottom of our hearts, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We need you. We want you. We're so tired of living in a world that is so desperately uh, getting out of control. And so, but Lord, while we wait, we pray that you'd help us to number our days.
And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.